0: Thank you for tuning in and now for this week's show. Hello and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter podcast. You are listening to episode number 351, the great TSS debate and a little turkey talk. And I am your co-host and the guy who is on cloud nine all day Sunday.
1: Man, that's good to hear. I'm your co-host, and I'm the guy that's going gigging Friday night. Gigging. Gigging. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why, man. I got fired up about frog gigging yesterday, and I, I just am like that, man. I'll get latched onto something, and I just have to go for it. So I got a frog gig, got a headlight, got a, a mesh sack. I got everything I need. So I'm going frog gigging this weekend. <laughs> there you go. Good I deal. just was really hungry for I talked to somebody about the, the fried frog legs at Lambert's, and immediately it was like, yeah, I got to go get some. So I'm just going to go get my own.
0: It's a lot easier. Probably, well, I don't know. If you have several drinks, it could be as much fun. But it's a lot easier <laughs> just to go to Lambert's.
1: Yeah, it probably would be. But I already got the stuff now because I got too fired up. So I got to use it at least once.
0: You know, the thing about frog gigging that gets me is when you gig them, and you put them in the bag and then you put them on ice and then you go to clean them. And they're still alive.
1: Yeah. I just, I always have taken them off the gig and gave them a good, you know, whack of the head against a hard surface to finish things off, I guess.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Because the good thing about them is all you want is the legs, you know, so it doesn't matter if you mess them up otherwise. Well, you can but, always
0: just gig them, cut their legs off, and let them go, and they'll grow legs back won't they? <laughs> like lizards grow regrow their tails. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs>
1: A few weeks there's a bunch of giant front half bullfrogs with tiny legs walking around <laughs> <laughs> they got tadpole legs back that's right um, that's well right. tell me why, why are you on cloud nine hopefully i get some frogs but why were you on cloud nine sunday
0: morning i decided i was going to load up and go to my place in puerto rico to nice. do a little fishing fleet Pulled in the gate. Is this where I went fishing? with I can't disclose that. Oh, that—that's where we are these days, Cameron. I hey, can't I, tell I, you anything.
1: I, I, I get it, man. I'm—I'm I'm fine with it. I respect it. Good.
0: <laughs> so I pull in the I gate. I hate
1: myself for asking. Go, go ahead.
0: This was after a heavy, heavy, heavy. Uh, I mean, it's been raining. I don't know oh, how many of you gosh. guys in the southeast are are listening, but Lord have mercy, have we gotten some rain in the past few weeks? Yeah,
1: hard rain yeah. too.
0: I'm not really going to complain about it because it helps for the temperatures to not be 97, 98 degrees outside, and you know there's going to come a time here in a couple of months when we're going to be begging for rain. So I'm not going to complain yep. about the amount of rain we've been we've been getting. But Saturday we had a pretty good downpour evening into night. Sunday morning I pull into the gate going to my place in Puerto Rico and go around the second curve in the road and I look up ahead of me there are a bunch of black dots in the road and I said uh-oh that could be a bunch of crows but I see some birds that are too big to be crows in there so I always keep a pair of binoculars mm-hmm. in my console my center console of my truck now this flock of birds is 200 yards away And I'm just stopped in the middle of the road, pull out my binoculars. I'm looking. The crows are not crows. My suspicions were confirmed. I saw four full-grown hens and 16 poults. Wow.
1: That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. Sat there and watched them. The poults were chasing each other all around. Some of the hens were chasing each other all around. So I watched them for probably 15 minutes. Just completely Man. forgot why I was even there, which was to go fishing.
1: Oh, yeah. That'll and do it so, to you every time. Oh, no
0: doubt. No doubt. So I sat there and watched them for a while, and they kind of eased off to the side of the road. I could still see them. This road's very wide. And I said, well, I'm just going to ease on up there, and they'll slip off and go into the woods. I won't disturb them a whole lot. So I do that. I pull a around the next curve, start up the hill where I saw them, and they've eased off into the tall grass and are walking over into the woods. They're gone. I top the hill, and there is another flock of turkeys. Different no way. flock of turkeys. There are three hens and 15 poles. Holy
1: crap.
0: I stopped the truck. This time I'm 50 yards, maybe 60 yards from them. Stop the truck, turn the motor off, reach back in the console, get my binoculars watching them all of a sudden one of the poults just blows up in full strut no strutting right there in front of a hen. and then not i'm sure not for the reasons that yeah big boys strut in front of the hens, but that's probably mama and he's just strutting just you know showing off because that's what little immature boys do Mm -hmm. so here comes another one runs around there where he is boom blows up full strut and they're facing each other in full strut and i sat there and watched those turkeys for probably 15 more minutes and it was really cool because you know they they'd all gotten wet the night before so they were out Mm -hmm. in the road they were preening and drying off and those male poults were strutting trying to dry off and yeah showing off showing their dominance over the other little poults running around and that kind of stuff and it was just that was the highlight not even of my day probably not of my week but probably the entire month i mean yeah, that was that's, just awesome
1: i mean that's a rare occurrence to get to see once a flock of pulses like that i mean that that really doesn't happen then and yeah. then to top the hill and there's another one and then to see strutting and all that what a cool time yep so i leave them Wait, Cameron, there's more. No freaking way. I am going to Puerto Rico next year. I
0: drive about <laughs> a, I'm not even going to say it was a mile, probably three quarters of a mile down the road. Around the curve, there's three hens standing in the road. No poles. Mm. That was a little disappointing. But after seeing what, 16 and 15, 31 poles? Yeah, that's pretty good odds. I'm extremely pleased with seeing 10. Total hens. Yeah,
1: yeah. If you got a thirty-one out of ten, that's a, that's a, that means they're growing in population.
0: Yes, and they're all about the same size. They were about the size of—I'm not even going to say a full-grown chicken because they weren't that big. Probably maybe the size of a
1: crow. Yeah, yeah. Big enough that's... to fly though. At that point, for sure. Oh,
0: definitely. Yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah. Not that your northern
0: crows. These old skinny lean (laughs) southern crows that we have yeah
1: puerto rican crows are pretty small
0: exactly yeah Yeah. so man i was just i mean i was ecstatic that was awesome
1: that is awesome that that warms the heart right there whatever you're doing to manage your place there in puerto rica is you know working out for you
0: yes lots and lots of rice and caribbean (laughs) seasoned (laughs) meats And vegetables, <laughs> island foods there. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, and a lot of rum. Yeah. yeah a lot like, of rum, man.
1: Yeah, that's what uh, that's what got the gobbler and hens together. I'm sure. So that, that works out well. <laughs> yeah. So, that is and, cool, uh, man. That, that put me on cloud nine for sure. That's awesome to hear.
0: Yeah. So I got some videos, and I've not even gone back to watch them. You yeah. know, just being that distance from the birds and trying to video it with your phone. I just don't know how well it turned out, but
1: yeah, won't be very optimistic. Yeah.
0: But I do need to watch those videos because I might have something on there. that's Nash, pretty cool.
1: Nat Geo, you know, you can just sell it to them. It'd be awesome.
0: That's right. Yeah. So yeah. it was cool stuff, man. I was fired up. And then after I saw the three hens that were solo, I drove on down Towards my place, and I'd completely forgotten because it's been three months since I've even been there. I completely forgotten that the beavers had dammed up the culvert <laughs> that runs underneath the road. Mm-hmm. Water was running over the road, so I got out and I had I've been driving my tater fork around in the back of my truck for months because the last time I was at my place, I realized that. The beavers had dammed up the culvert. And so I was going to take my tater fork down there and unclog it and just didn't even think about it anymore after all my traveling around turkey hunting and that kind of thing. And so I got in there. Well, I pulled up to where the culvert is and the water's running over the top of the road. The water's just dammed up way back off the road. And I stripped down into my boxer shorts and my shoes. And got into the water belly button deep and started cleaning that culvert out with a potato fork and did not get it completely cleaned out because it was dammed all the way from the end of the culvert about seven feet in and I can't reach it with the tater fork and my short little arms. So I've got to mm. figure out another way to get rid of that.
1: Yeah. Well, maybe lock, one of our listeners lock. can can send you a idea for that
0: yeah something other than dynamite because i can't blow the road out
1: <laughs> it would work You would of work damp. it would work
0: <laughs> but too good. the you know probably the twelve thousand dollars worth of concrete that's over the top of the road there would
1: yeah.
0: not sustain the impact
1: yeah might be a, a losing situation there mm-hmm. but cool yes, what indeed. a eventful day man full day
0: yeah and i didn't get bit by a water moccasin so that was good or that's a snapping good. turtle
1: that's good and you're still talking to me so you survived the spider bite from a couple weeks ago i did
0: I, i'm just tough man you know
1: yeah they don't make them like they used to man
0: no you're your
1: your model is very tough tough breed
0: yeah these old mountain men like me we just <laughs> different breed altogether. <laughs> that's
1: right oh man grizzled <laughs> veterans crush. of this world yes. yeah yeah well,
0: well cool. i've got more good news
1: all right, what well, else you got for us?
0: We are two hundred and forty six days, nine hours, fifty minutes and forty one seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Puerto Rico.
1: Wow, that that's better news than it was last week and getting better all the time. We're two hundred and fifty four days, nine hours, twenty two minutes from turkey season in Alaska, so Man you know, quite a bit further north, but we really don't open much much later after you.
0: No creeping on up man
1: yeah so we'll be we'll be rolling soon and fall turkey season's coming up hopefully hopefully i'll get a chance to go with a shotgun we'll see but got a baby on the way right in the smack middle of fall season so we'll see if that's gonna happen or not
0: (laughs) well maybe you can use your paternity leave
1: yeah i don't think that's gonna happen
0: if you take it a couple of weeks early before the baby gets here
1: yeah, I need I need time to mentally process <laughs> the birth of the child, so I'm going to need right. off for these 2 weeks.
0: Yeah.
1: I think it could fly. I like hey, people get off for worse reasons than that. So, maybe it'll like, roll.
0: Man, I'll be glad to write you an excuse.
1: <laughs> Doctor's note?
0: Yeah, and send it in hey, This is from order. Dr.
1: Andy. He doesn't have a doctorate, but hey Oh, well, I do. You
0: know. I can oh, send a copy of my Marriott rewards card that says I am Dr. Andrew Galliano.
1: Excellent. That's what I need.
0: If they need some credentials. Perfect.
1: I like it, man. I like it. I think it's a good good reason, but regardless, turkey season is coming again. We're almost through the the worst part of summer, which means we'll be at a fall, and then we're on to winter, then we're on to early, early spring, and then it's here. It won't be long.
0: won't be long. Yep. So I've been talking a whole lot. Can I share one other thing? Yeah, man, go for
1: it. You just fired up today. I'm fired
0: up. I have a lot to say. It's been a been a very eventful <laughs> week. You've been quarantining or something here lately?
1: What's going on? Yeah.
0: I've been <laughs> well, locked got... in my house by myself. Everyone else has gone. I haven't been able to talk to anyone.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, you so got... I think it was what a couple of weeks ago I mentioned that I'm going to start grinding up some turkey. Yeah some thighs, and some legs because I had a bunch of them. Well, I did have a bunch of them. And I ground maybe three pounds last Wednesday night. I ground four and a half pounds Thursday night. And I ground seven pounds Saturday. Nice. And we've already had turkey burgers. Nice. And we had turkey Parmesan balls. Ooh. And my lovely bride is digging the ground turkey, and I can't Dude, say I'm not
1: you can't beat it, man. I'm it telling is you
0: fantastic.
1: It's so good. and like you know it is a little bit of a process to grind the meat or whatever, but you know once you do it, it's so versatile. You can make so many recipes that taste awesome with it, yeah, it, We're it really both is.
0: Stoked. I, I I mean, I hate that i've been that i missed out on it for all this time
1: i know I, that, when i did it the first time and made a recipe i think i just made turkey burger you know the first time and i was like huh this is really good i hate that i didn't do this with my birds last year and the year yeah. before you know then you just start going back like holy crap you know <laughs> yeah. what have i been doing so that's awesome to hear that's good well you you know when it's ground like that, it's so versatile is my favorite thing because there's so many recipes that, you know, ground beef is the main ingredient. You just replace it with ground turkey and you got you a great recipe,
0: you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You absolutely can replace ground beef in any recipe with ground turkey.
1: Yeah. And it tastes great because it, yeah. it really is awesome. So that that's cool to hear. I'm glad to, you'll have to share some of your favorite ground recipes with me and, and the listeners, hopefully. So that'd, that'd be fun to experiment with.
0: Yeah. I'm going to get a copy of your meatball recipe and give that to Tammy and get yeah, her with firecracker meat, some of your fan. meatballs for us.
1: They are good. I'm a fan. is a, a fan. She's a fan of most things right now, but she's definitely a fan of that.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm a fan of the thought of getting to see you guys in a few weeks. So you're, coming to alabama to visit us and
1: audrey yeah. are
0: and i'm looking forward to that that'll be fun
1: yeah i can't wait looking forward to that for sure and i'm sure we might dabble in some turkey talk by the pool who knows maybe hey last time we came to visit we recorded the new intro to the show so you yeah never know. you know
0: we still haven't recorded an outro
1: <laughs> well our shows have been so long lately we don't need one <laughs> <laughs> that's true that's true yeah Well, cool. I think today we had discussed, it sounds like we're going to have some turkey soup style stuff on this episode, but we also had thrown out the idea on a previous podcast that was called The Great Fanning Debate, where two friends, me and you, debated fanning because we have different ideas of it, and that's fine. You know, I still think you're my friend, you know? (laughs)
0: It, I don't it think does not we make cussed at each other one time or even
1: yeah, called it, each it, other
0: any kind of a name. That's really unusual these days.
1: Yeah. You know, it, it's kind of sad to me that if somebody brings up one view and somebody has an opposing view, especially on social media, it turns into just a whole deal. It's not even, you know, cordial dialogue anymore, you know, which, which is possible. You can just discuss things and still disagree and get along, you know? Yeah. And that's where, you know, we are like it, we're, we're not on the same page on the fanning thing, but we still get along great and can turkey hunt together. You know, that, that's not a deal breaker, but it is something that we can talk about. And so on that episode, we discussed maybe doing one on TSS and that's what we'll talk about today. Some, so I don't think this one will be quite as much of a debate, I'd say, or, that we have deferring opinions. We may have somewhat of a different opinion of it, but, you know, this will be just hopefully constructive conversation. And I think these are just things that need to be talked about in the community of turkey hunting right now, between me and you, between a certain listener and his group of friends, you know, just with your group of guys you turkey hunt with, you know, talk about this these kind of things, because that's what happens, you know, so... We'll talk about it today and give our opinions on it. And you made me go first on fanning. So I'm going to make you go first on TSS and, I guess, positives and negatives, if you think there are any, or, you know, your stance on TSS, I guess, as a turkey hunter, what do you think about the revolution of tungsten shot?
0: So I'm going to say one thing about fanning first, and then I'm going to jump into tss because that's really what we're talking about but my the thing i'm going to say about fanning is this i am i love the fact that you are anti fanning because when we hunt together and we see see turkeys out in the field that usually means i'm up so (laughs) you can be anti all day long brother you just keep at it so here's here's the deal with the tss hey we we don't
1: see turkeys in fields anymore because they've already been fanned. so luckily that's not a problem
0: yeah, whatever.
1: <laughs> I was giving you grief about that all over the place when we went on that last trip. I Was like, yeah, see, we have not seen on a field today. They all got reaped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah. moving on from there, I already won that discussion, so we can move on from there.
0: <laughs> okay. So <laughs> what I'm gonna I'm gonna start with really what I think is a negative with TSS and. A lot of the listeners are going to say, "Well, he's going to talk about the cost of it," yeah. and actually, I'm not, because the cost of a ten or twelve dollar shotgun shell is a drop in the bucket. Yeah, a sure. drop in the bucket. I am once a week putting eighty five dollars of gasoline in my pickup truck, and it's not even turkey season. I'm not even driving anywhere. And it's costing me right now eighty five dollars to fill up my pickup truck. So come turkey season, when I'm filling it up two to three times per week, and we're gonna have gasoline prices at three dollars a gallon. Yeah, it's gonna cost me a hundred dollars a week times two or three per week. So,
1: yeah. So you know, I'm gonna to be fifty dollars for ten shells. You
0: know. <laughs> yeah, and I'm gonna moan and groan about paying ten dollars a shell. Yeah. No. So it absolutely is not the cost. The cost, yes, it does hurt my cheap little heart <laughs> to pay <laughs> ten or twelve bucks for one shotgun shell. Yeah. But I am but... not gonna balk at it. So yeah. one one perceived negative, and I have no data, no hard data to back this up, but one perceived negative about TSS to me is that now that so many people are shooting TSS, well, it's a little bit harder to find for the people yeah. who are hand loading or even for the manufacturers like Federal and Apex and Super Slam, who's Jeff Bud's company. But it's just, it's harder to find now. COVID's not helping that out. And all of the issues that come along with COVID, considering the fact that the majority, the vast, if not all of it, majority of TSS comes from China. Yeah. So that's that's a little bit of a, of a negative there. But because so many people are shooting it, I think what's happened is a lot of these shotgun shell manufacturers, the big guys, your Remingtons, your Federals, your Winchesters, yeah. have quit making a lot of their other shells.
1: Yeah. Or yeah cut they cut the
0: production it. of those shells way back. So now, if you don't buy shotgun shells early, like a month before season, and for you guys up north, two months before season, you may have to do without shotgun shells for turkey season.
1: Yeah, you, you ain't lying. I experienced that with the long my long beard XRs last year. But killed me to find them. Yeah,
0: yeah. And you know, again, some of that, maybe a lot of that, has to do with COVID and. I hate to even use the term labor shortage because there's not a labor shortage. There's a shortage of people who want to labor for what they're getting paid. That's so or what they would be getting paid, I should say, if they were laboring. Yeah. So that to me, I think, is a little bit of a negative. I don't believe we're ever going to see the mass, super mass production of TSS shotgun shells like we saw of lead or copper plated lead turkey shells 10 years ago. I don't think that's going to happen because I don't think there's enough supply coming from China to create that amount of mass production of those shells. So, you know, it's it's a limited commodity and that is a negative for us, you know. I like the thought of Hey, if I'm in the Northeast and I run out of shotgun shells, I like the thought of being able to walk into a store and buy what I'm shooting instead of trying to replace it with something different. So, and then having to go and repattern my gun because I'm shooting a different shell all of a sudden. So, you know, that means I've got to bring more than enough shells with me when I leave home. And I'd rather not do that, but that's just where we are. And, you know, I choose to shoot. TSS, so I run that risk because you darn well are not going to find TSS shells once season starts. So yeah, that's true. That's I guess I'm saying that's one negative, even though it's probably three negatives. But they're all the the other two really in my mind are are minor things. Yeah, yeah, and they are all intertwined for sure. Yeah. So I really there's there's several reasons. To shoot tss and everyone knows what those are but i've got to talk about them you know this is going to be any type of a debate that we're going to have and tss shells with the powder that these manufacturers are using with the wadding that these manufacturers are using and with the technology that goes into the cases and i know it sounds silly the primers, everything that goes into these shot shells is head and shoulders above any other specific turkey hunting shotgun shells out there. And now a lot of you people like you will say, well, my Longbeard XR is pretty darn strong. And it is, but it's not TSS. The pattern yep. that TSS gives is at at 30 yards, 40 yards. 50 yards is phenomenal. No doubt. And for me, I want to shoot the best shotgun shell that I can shoot when I have the opportunity to squeeze the trigger. And so why would I not spend a little bit of extra money to get that shell? What if, and anyone listening to the show, everyone listening to the show that's been hunting for more than a few years has misjudged the distance on a turkey. If you're a woods hunter like I am, like Cameron is probably what 70% of the time, 80% of the time, at least (laughs) we get used to judging distance in the woods. And when we see a turkey or a deer or any animal out in a field and there's nothing that between us and that target to put that target into scale, it's very easy to misjudge distance. And if I'm going to misjudge distance and that bird's going to be 60, 65 yards from me, and I think that he's 50, and by the way, 50 yards in my gun, even with longbeard XR, there's no hesitation in my mind that that is a dead turkey, especially if he's in a field and there's nothing between me and him but air. Yep. So, To know that I can misjudge that distance by 10 yards or 15 yards and still stand a very, very, very good chance of killing that turkey. If I hit that turkey and hit him in the head or neck with one pellet, I shouldn't say head and neck, hit him in the brain or the spinal column with one pellet of TSS, and I've misjudged the distance, that bird's going down because it has superior penetration the pattern's superior, knockdown power is superior. You're shooting 50% more pellets. Maybe, I don't remember all the numbers. It might even be more. It might be more like 70% or 80% more pellets if you're shooting number six shot or like Cameron does, number fives. And there is nothing better for turkeys than TSS shells right now. So I've got one other thing that I could say is a negative, but I'm not right now. I'm going to let you talk because I have a really good feeling and I don't know this for a fact because we haven't really just, dis- we've discussed TSS a few times yeah, and, and on this show a few times. So, but we haven't discussed my viewpoint versus his viewpoint before this particular mm-hmm. conversation. So, I'm 99% sure you're going to touch on what I was going to say is the next (laughs) negative, but hit it. You go. Your turn.
1: Well, I'll start with, yeah. I mean, I'm not even, what you just said isn't really debatable. You know, I, I will say, I guess positives first. And as I said, this is going to be more constructive conversation than a debate, but there's no denying the effectiveness of TSS. I mean, you can look at, YouTube videos or whatever you want to watch of people shooting gel blocks and that kind of things, this stuff kills without a doubt. I mean, you're getting the penetration, the knockdown power of like four or five shot lead out of a nine shot pellet, you know? So there's no doubt the effectiveness is incredible. And you combine that with, you know, a TSS number nine, I looked it up, has 905 pellets in it for a 12 gauge three inch shell. So you're throwing 905 pellets down range with the knockdown power of 5 shot lead. So effectiveness-wise, no argument here. It's the most effective killing shell on the market without a doubt. Other positives, I think it's really helped a lot of youth hunters and even, you know, maybe smaller-statured women hunters. I know a lot of kids who are younger now are able to take, you know, a 410 or a 20 gauge and kill a turkey when before, you know, if they had tried to use dad's 12 gauge, it wouldn't have been a good experience. You know, it's just too much recoil. And so it's kind of opened the door for your youth hunters to take that 410 out and have a, a really good chance of ethically harvesting a gobbler. yeah And I think that is, that is, to me, the biggest positive impact that TSS has had is it enables the youth hunters and even, you know, Cause we kind of go through a cycle, you know, we're young and we need the sub gauge. Then we get, you know, prime years, we can go up and gauge. And when you get, you know, on, back on the backslide of things in life, you got to go kind of back down to the sub gauge sometimes. Right. When you get to it's, be my age. Yeah. Once you go over the hill like Andy, you may need a sub gauge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it does enable hunters who need those to still ethically kill turkeys, you know, cause the first turkey I ever shot was with a 20-gauge, and I knocked him down. He got up and ran right off. because He's lead shells, and it, at the time, they were nowhere near what we have now. I mean, this was just like a you know cheapo shell, and so that technology has helped in that way. And so affordability, I mean, yeah, they're definitely a little more expensive, but like you said, that's about the cheapest upgrade you could make, so I'm not even going to touch on that. It, For the effectiveness that it has, if that's the goal, you you can spend five, ten bucks a shell. But for me, the negative that I'm sure you know I'm going for is I don't like seeing and this is a personal preference because I have friends and I know a lot of people who shooting for them is a big part of the sport of duck hunting, turkey hunting, dove hunting, wherever it is, they're really into the ballistics, the gun you know, in that aspect. Whereas like I could totally care less. Like if you told me I can shoot him with this gun or that gun or these shells or that shells, as long as the result in the end is the same, I I don't care what I used. you know, but there are a lot of folks and I'm not saying it's wrong to be this way, but there's a lot of folks who, you know, Oh, what what gauge are you using? What shell do you, you know, they're really into patterning, shooting turkeys and that kind of thing. And that's great. But to me, the only problem I see, and this is a big problem, is the culture of turkey hunting becoming a long-range sport, to me, is not a good thing. And on multiple reasons for that, you know, I, I see YouTube videos now all the time with the clickbait title, you know, shot at 90 yards or shot at 80 yards or you know, whatever, that kind of stuff. I don't think that's good because... And I'm seeing a ton of them, I mean, from big names and how far they're shooting turkeys and that's their title. And to me, that's encouraging young hunters to think, hey, I need to be letting it rip when he gets within 80 yards. And yeah, your gun may kill him, but it may not. You may mortally wound him and he get away kind of thing. And so, plus it just downplays the experience to me. I think, again, all of this is opinionated. Turkey hunting should be a close range game. You know, the Turkey I shot at 40 yards this year. Not that I did. I I probably did shoot one at 40 yards at some point or another, but I was less impressed with myself than the one that I shot at, you know, five yards. That to me is like, Holy crap. How, you know, that's impressive Mm -hmm. that you got that close to the Turkey or got that Turkey to come that close to you. And to me, making turkey hunting with a shotgun a long-range game is so interesting to me because people understand, okay, I got 975 pellets coming out the end of this gun. The further they get from the gun, the bigger area they cover. Your aim could have been terrible at 80 yards and you still killed the turkey. So it's not a—you are no marksman by doing that, if you know what I mean. yeah. you could have missed by a foot left on your aim and still killed him because the pattern's huge. Whereas, you know, rifle hunters or single projectile hunters that shoot long range, your aim was true if you hit your mark, if you know what I mean. So to me, it's almost silly to me when uh, I've had so many people, you know, oh, I shot him at 80 yards, you know, with my shotgun. And I'm like, cool, you know, is that? impressed like I'm more impressed with the gun and shell than I am you like (laughs) you you didn't exactly you know do anything great there honestly but I just I had a guy and and the other part of it is I think it's helping a lot more turkeys die which in today's age isn't exactly a great thing Uh, for instance this past turkey season I was hunting in a state And we got lucky and got a bird and we were just sitting around the truck with it. And this guy pulled up and this is where I kind of have mixed emotions about it. He pulled up and it was him and his son and they had doubled. And it was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And we're just, you know, telling him how awesome it is. And he's just going on about how awesome an experience it was with his son. And then he tells us, you know, the story and he's like, yeah, we called to him. They had a bunch of hens. They never did anything, never even gobbled at us. So we just crawled up a little bit and the closest we could get to the field edge was 80 yards. So then we just both let it rip and we killed them both. And I was like, I'm happy for you. Like I'm the worst person on earth, in my opinion, is the guy that when somebody else is excited about something and you just crap on them for it, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the worst thing anybody. And so I didn't do that in the moment. I still was very, you know, excited for them, helped take a picture of them with their birds. Cause I mean, that's, that's cool. Father, son, double, very cool. But it, I was having mixed emotions of like, man, those two turkeys didn't really deserve to die today kind of thing. And I know that's silly to think because they're, we're out there trying to kill them. But it, to me, it was like, they didn't get beat. You know, they, they won and they still died because of the capabilities that TSS gave these two hunters. And so Again, I didn't crap all over their excitement because I cannot stand when somebody does that to me, and so I hope to never do that to anybody.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: But it was an interesting moment for me because I was like, I'm happy they doubled, but those two turkeys didn't lose. You know, <laughs> like, to me it's a it's a ball game, and they didn't lose. But here they are laying here dead as a hammer, and one of them he said they shot at 80 yards. One fell dead, and the other one flew. And then they saw him just crumple and fall in the creek. And I was the other part of me was like, man, if they hadn't been able to see the distance that they could to see the turkey flying off, they would have never known they even hit him, you know? Yeah. And so that kind of, there's just some worrisome aspects of it in that way. And so it all is going to come down to hunters making the decision for themselves, because I do not see that TSS is going to get outlawed, you know? And I'm not saying that it should across the board. I will say, and I've said in past episodes, that I wish state agencies maybe would look at ways to reduce harvest because that's what they're trying to do right now without taking away days and birds off our bag limit. And I think TSS could be an option there. You know, if you limited, if we all were out there hunting with bows and arrows, that would reduce the harvest. You know, if we went back to four shot lead probably going to reduce the harvest because you can't only shoot, you know, 35, 40 yards. But I don't think that's going to happen. I do wish there would be some types of studies done on can we reduce harvest by limiting certain ways of hunting or certain methods of hunting or certain tools for hunting rather than every agency's first gut shot, you know, thing to do is, oh, bird numbers are down. All right. Two weeks off the season and we'll drop the bag limit to two. You know, it's like, that's just the only way to do it. And maybe it is. Maybe I'm full of it. You know, maybe that's the only way to reduce harvest. But I think maybe we could explore some other options here. Because I sure like hunting and being able to go every day. And I, I would imagine most turkey hunters would be willing to give up, let's say, their TSS shells and have to use four or six shot lead shells. But they get to hunt 40 days instead of 20. I'd make that trade in a heartbeat. And I think most turkey hunters would, you know, whatever lets me hunt more. And I don't, again, I haven't seen studies on that, so I don't know the effectiveness of it, but I think it could be worth doing. So for me, I'm not opposed to it across the board. I just think, cause I used it, you know, I, I, I think you knew this. I used it for a season two years ago or so. Mm -hmm. And and I still have a box for certain places in the United States. WMAs and refuges and things and other public lands won't allow lead shells. So you have to use either steel, bismuth, or tungsten. And I'm going to go with tungsten. You know, you have to use non-toxic shot. So I do have a box for those places specifically that I keep on me. But I don't use it regularly. And the reason behind that... And I know I'm rambling at this point, but the reason behind it is I could tell mentally the year I used it, I felt like I had in my hands the biggest, baddest gun on planet Earth. And if I could see a turkey, he was dead, you know, (laughs) and I took some shots that like I had told myself when I went to it. All right. It's still a 40 yard game. I'm not going past it. You know, and like you said, if I make a mistake and misjudge 10 yards, I still got the kill. But. You know, it's a 40-yard game. It's a 40-yard game. Well, that's really easy to tell yourself, or for me at least, for me to tell myself sitting at home on the couch. But when I get out there and I'm in a state 12 hours away and the turkey hangs up at 75 and he's sitting there, all of a sudden, you know, this TSS probably could do it, you know, and and I sure did drive a long ways. (laughs) It's like the angel devil deal on your shoulder. Yeah and i took some crack shots like that and I, I missed a couple and i think i had one where it worked out or at least i think i missed them and i had to reflect on it at the end of the year and i thought i got to take this away from myself and I, I truly had to go through that process of if i don't if i keep using this i i can't not do it and that was just where i came to it was like in the heat of battle i'm making bad decisions on how far to shoot because I'm too fired up about the hunt to think logically like I am sitting here on the couch. But I took it away from myself. And that's what I had to finally come to is like, I put the Longbeard XRs back in the gun. They'll kill him stone dead at 40. I think I have wiggle room out to 50 if I needed it or if I misjudged like you said. But when I have those in the gun, I don't feel like when he's at 75 that I have a chance. And so I won't. I haven't taken those crack shots, you know. So for me, that was the process I had to go through. And I'm not saying mine's the correct one, but for me, it works, you know. And nobody can tell me that what I'm doing is wrong because I like, you know, that that's how I like to hunt. So that's what I like to do. And I'm not trying to tell anybody else how to hunt. But that was the process I went through with it. And there's my positives and negatives to it, you know. I'm not saying whereas with Fanning, I'm I'm pretty against this but tss it has a place i just think you know and i do like and appreciate how if you go on like apex's website because i did this because i was interested to see what they said apex ammunition that's a big tss turkey load right now that's very popular and i went on their website and kind of read their descriptions and nowhere on there did they have like you know this will let you shoot him at 90 yards, you know, posted all over the place. And I thought, that's good. I'm glad that they're not actively promoting distance as the reason to buy it, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that, and I checked some other ones and did. But I, I think if you have a voice or if you're putting YouTube videos out, even if the bird was at 80 yards and you misjudged and killed him, like, don't promote that to others. I don't think that that's a good thing to promote especially if a novice hunter watched it and thought, well, cool, if he can do it, I can, you know? And, and I, I just, I don't think that would be good for the sport. And then my other thing is, I'd love to see a study on it. Can we reduce the bag limit by taking away some of these things? You know, that that's my point with it.
0: Let me ask you this. You're on social media a lot more than I am. And yep. I think that because of that, you talk to a lot more turkey hunters than I do. You see what a lot of these influencers are doing way more than I do. Are these people, in your opinion, posting videos like this of, hey, I can kill a turkey, or I just, you know, watch this turkey I just killed at 70 yards? Are they posting that like they're a great hunter? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Like that's,
0: that's, that's interesting to me because who is a better, turkey hunter and i don't think (laughs) that's
1: my thought process
0: i don't think anyone listening to this show would disagree that your turkey hunter that can call turkeys to within five feet yeah consistently is a better hunter and i am i'm gonna go hunter rather than just turkey hunter even though really they are a better turkey hunter too but a better overall hunter than the person who is consistently calling turkeys to 60, 70 yards and can't get them to come the distance to to break that distance. So to me, that's interesting and it's interesting as well because, and maybe it's because of my age and just how I, at the time that I really cut my teeth learning how to turkey hunt and became a average turkey hunter, there you didn't shoot at turkeys at 50 yards
1: oh, and so I
0: mean,
1: you, you wouldn't even, have had a chance
0: but even with tss i still a turkey's not in range to me unless he's 40 45 yards and yeah and i was i was you know shooting because winchester came out with shotgun shells that were superior even before the Longbeard xr they had a shell that was out that was really a great shell, patterned very well at 50 yards. And so 40, 45 yards, 45 was about my limit. And now I'm never going to tell you that I'm good enough to say that turkey's at 46 yards and not yeah. 44. So, you know, you end up with the occasional 50-yard shot and a 50-yard dead turkey or a 50-yard wounded turkey or complete miss, whatever. Yeah circumstances yeah, it's are part of it but i i never even today shooting tss for me to say well that bird's at 60 yards he's in range and i'm hesitant to even say this on the show because i i don't want to be a person giving people the impression that they should be shooting at turkeys at 60 yards but my gun is extremely capable of killing a turkey at 60 yards shooting tss consistently capable of doing that. And so I don't even consider 60 yards being my range. I don't even really consider 50 yards being my range. It's it's 40 yards. And maybe it's just because it's been, I've ingrained that into my head. Maybe that's what it is. But I want to, I don't really want to shoot them at 10 yards, 15 yards, 20 yards, because the pattern is so tight. Yeah, we've already talked about many times and I love to fire warning shots, and that's a great place to do it. <laughs> if you yeah. fire a warning shot at ten yards, I can get another shot in at thirty to forty, and that turkey is D-E-D.
1: Yeah, thirty yards is like the the bread and butter shot to me. Yeah, good open pattern, plenty of knockdown. I mean that like if even if he's coming, I want him close. I know, but I want him dead too, and I, I know I'm prone to miss, so. If, if he's walking straight up, me and I have my gun on him and he gets to 30, it, it's time. You know, that's that's perfect to me.
0: And I, I'm not going to say that I've never bragged about the distance that I killed a turkey at, but I've never it's not anything that I'm going to be screaming from the treetops. And I don't know. I, I just and I hate it, really kind of even hate to use the term brag because I don't brag about any turkey that I kill. I'm yeah. blessed to kill a turkey, a turkey, yeah. one turkey. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. So. I, uh, it, it, you know, when you're with somebody and they make a longer shot than average to me, it kind of goes like, man, that was, that was a pretty good little poke. And it's like, yeah, man, that was, that was a, that was a little further than I thought it was. And that, that's kind of it. You know, you kind of acknowledge it and it's not, it's like you said, who's the better hunter, but, and like I was talking about who's the better shot. Like it, if you know how a shotgun shell works the further it is the less of a marksman you have to be like <laughs> right. yeah. it just doesn't you work the bird less distant you fooled him less and you had to be a lesser shot to do it yet people on social media literally the clickbait you know title of their youtube 70 yard shot or whatever or real tree the one that i got after him on last year 80 yard shot while breeding a hen i mean really like that (laughs) that's what you're going for like that that is so unimpressive but yeah and and again when somebody says that i'm like man that's a heck of a gun shell choke combo that's cool you didn't do anything but hey you got good stuff exactly
0: yeah that that's it i mean the trigger was squeezed
1: yeah, that's and all you
0: did. <laughs> I got lucky, and a pellet hit the turkey in the area that it needed to hit the turkey in, and the turkey fell over.
1: Yeah, that's that's it. So you know, as you know, I told you, this wasn't going to be a debate. It's kind of just like a this is well, just a conversation I'll, to have.
0: I will debate you on the if we take away some tools that make killing turkeys easier, maybe we don't have to cut the bag limit and that kind of thing because.
1: I'm not saying that that's correct. I'm saying... I know.
0: You said you'd like I to wanna study see on it. You want to see some data.
1: Options. Yeah. Something because, I mean, you can't argue, or at least you may could, but to me, every state right now is like, oh, our turkey population is down. Move the season back, cut some days, bag limit down. That's, it's like the cure all. My question is, is there other options?
0: Man, <laughs> where do you <laughs> draw the line, Cameron? Where do you draw the line and say enough is enough?
1: Alabama banned decoys for the first 10 days. What if that works, you know? I'm not saying it's going to. I'm just saying what if it does? You know, we don't know.
0: I know. Why not? Just why 10 days? Why why decoys? To me. Push the season back 10 days and give us 10 days on the end of it.
1: Yeah. See, I'm okay with that. I. I just, I don't like losing days off my season personally. And that may be selfish. And if that's the only way that we can help turkey population, I'm in. Priority A, increase turkey population. Everything else can come after that. You know, if that's the goal, I'm good with it. But, and I know what you're saying, where do you draw the line? Uh, You know, we got camo, we got onyx, we got TSS, we got decoys, we got all this stuff. But to me, Like what Alabama did, in my mind, they banned decoys. What if that saves a lot of your dominant birds because they're not getting killed by strutting decoys for 10 more days? They get more breeding done. If what Mike Chamberlain has uncovered is true and the the dominant bird theory with the subordinates not coming right on board, that may have an impact that we don't see. And not saying it's going to work. I'm just saying where is some data on other options, you know? To me, there's a few things you can make law that would actually work and be able to administer by having your law enforcement check on it, such as, you know, like I said, those refuges banned non-toxic shot. Well, if your state of Tennessee said, OK, you can't use tungsten super shot, that that's pretty enforceable. If you have those in your gun, then you get a fine, you know. Or if you ban decoys, somebody's out there hunting over a decoy, pretty enforceable. So there are things that are more enforceable and could have an impact. And I don't claim to know what those things are or if they would have an impact. I'm just saying, why don't we test some stuff out? You know, if I would rather Tennessee say, hey, you get four bird limit and you can hunt all of April and May, but you can only do it with archery gear. I'd literally rather go hunt with that. And have a long time to go hunt and pursue the birds, then end up like Arkansas with an eight day season and a one bird limit. I would be miserable if that's eight days was all I got to do of it, you know. <laughs> so that that's just I just would love to see some some options. But as I've said, if the only option is cutting days off the season and cutting the bag limit, if that's the only way we can reduce harvest to save this bird. I'm in. I'm game cancel the season if that's the only way to do it i'm in i want turkeys on the landscape and i know you do too so we can always agree to that common goal of everybody wants to see more hear more and experience more turkeys at least i think everybody does you're crazy if you don't yeah so
0: well i don't know about the the taking tools away you know i think that there needs to be more we we need to have more control over ourselves. We need to police ourselves more.
1: I would totally agree with that.
0: but and and I don't mean just Andy policing Andy, but Andy policing the other guys in Andy's hunting club and them policing me. You know, that's one thing that I think in other parts of the country, in the Northeast especially, a hunter will turn another hunter in for a game violation in a heartbeat. Now, I'm not saying that's, that's the cure-all for our turkey issues, by no means. I'm saying that's part of it. But I'm also saying that if your state is a four-bird limit or a five-bird limit or a three-bird limit, and you don't think that the area of the state that you're hunting, that you need to take that many birds off, of the property that you're hunting, don't take them. If you're in a hunting club and your state has a four bird limit and your hunting club's going to allow four birds per hunter to be taken and there's 10 turkey hunters on 1,000 acres, there's a possibility of taking 40 toms off that property? No, no. Yeah. That possibility is really an impossibility because you're not going to take 40 toms off of 1,000 acres. But, you know, as a group, we can police ourselves in that situation and say hey you know there's 10 turkey hunters here maybe we should take no more than 10 birds off this 1000 acres that's a lot of ter- that's a lot of toms off a 1000 acres today yeah so if you're good enough to kill your turkey because you got 10 hunters we're going to take 10 turkeys off the place my math says that's a bird a hunter if you bring a guest and your guest kills a bird that's your yeah, bird you done yeah you know, that's things like that we we need to be bringing up and yes that does i mean that goes against what you're saying you don't want your opportunities limited but
1: i'm fine with limiting my opportunities in that capacity because i do that i mean we on our private land right. we do have access my brothers and i we know that there's four brothers and we all love to turkey hunt and we have that exact rule no one can kill more than one bird off of a certain property so like if i kill one on this property i'm done there for the year i gotta go hunt somewhere else and i've even moved that to if i kill one on this wma or this national forest i go kill one somewhere else i don't kill two in the same spot anymore you know and i, I do hope a lot more people will take that advice because i think that's something that works you know
0: it absolutely does
1: if you shoot your full bag limit off the same ridge you have definitely impacted the turkey population for that area in Mm -hmm. my mind Mm -hmm. if you shoot your full bag limit for the season but you did it in four different counties you still impacted the turkey population because you took a bird off the landscape but you didn't just devastate one flock of birds you know yeah that's a big difference to me (laughs) yeah because the i've had so many people like man yeah i had this hundred acre farm and used to be covered up in them. We killed nine off of it, you know, three years ago. Now we can't buy a gobble out there. You know, shocking information right there. I can't believe it. You know, you shut exactly. nine off a hundred acres. What'd you expect? You know? Yeah. Yeah.
0: So there's, can't believe that somebody just turned the pipeline off. Yeah.
1: I thought these things just spontaneously, you know, generated out here. I can't believe it. Yeah. It, but I mean, yes, I agree with you totally. If, Turkey hunters policed themselves and their friends and things like that, and if on a wide scale we did that, I think you could cure an unbelievable amount of the problems we're having with just that right there. But I don't have much faith in in the other person, I guess, in this instance. I do as a whole because most turkey hunters I've met are pretty sensible people, and most of them understand the problems we're going through these days but but the ones that are rogue, it't matter. But they also don't care what the law says. So it doesn't matter what the law says, you know. Right. And so you got a lot of that.
0: Well, I don't know. I I think that and I know that you're going to agree with what I'm going to say. We're not going to, to cure these problems that we have nationwide by doing one thing. We're not going to cure it by lowering the bag limit unless it's lowered to zero. We're only, you know, we're not going to do it only by doing that. We're not going to do it only by shortening the season we're not going to do it only by getting doing away with decoys doing away with tss doing away with fanning we're not going to do it with one single method it's going to have to be a combination of methods it's going to have to be trapping it's going to have to be habitat improvement it's going to likely be Reduction in seasons, length, likely be a reduction in bag limits. Maybe some of these tools like decoys are taken away from us. So, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just, we are, as turkey hunters, we're going to have to make a sacrifice. And it's not just a sacrifice. We're going to have to make a lot of sacrifices. And, you know, we've got to get out. We've got to trap more predators. We've got to do some habitat improvement projects. We've got to try to talk the landowners that we lease the land from into doing some habitat improvement projects or letting us do them. Yeah. We've we've got to talk to our powers that be in our states. We've got to talk to our biologists and let them teach us. It's not going to be one thing that saves the wild turkeys. Now, it could be. Because that one thing could be turkey season is canceled for the next five years nationwide,
1: yeah, I, but
0: I'll be darned if I even want to talk about five years, one year, three years. I don't even I don't even I, want to hear it
1: yeah that that wouldn't I don't know in my mind, I don't think I think you hit one nail on the head, and that's habitat improvement because. And predator trapping, because if we can increase the productivity of turkeys and our harvest stays the same, they will grow, you know, in that capacity. But it's the major problem is the private land, specifically private land habitat management across the United States right now, especially in the southeast. Mm -hmm. That's where the improvement has to happen. Because, yeah, you may have these blocks of public land that have great habitat. They're also getting hunted the hardest, and the harvest is highest in those areas. So if you had a huge contiguous tract of awesome private land habitat management (laughs) producing birds, that would be very helpful, you know? (laughs) Yeah. So I think that's a big part of it. And then the predator trapping. I mean, I don't care if your habitat absolutely sucks, and it is the equivalent of a football field with no trees, nothing on it. If you have some water and some food and there's not a single predator on your property or within anywhere near your property, turkeys can raise their young there and flourish, Mm -hmm. you know? So if you do both, you really got the the combo, but I'm just making the point, no matter how pitiful your habitat is, if you got a flock of turkeys and nothing's eating them, they can grow. (laughs) Oh Yeah. So there there are some options there, but yeah. I agree with you. There's no magic bullet. My only concern is that I just, I wish we could look at other options, I'm not saying we have to go with them, but see if there's anything else out there. Because, you know, Tennessee, for instance, when they went from four to three birds, they know statistically, this is how many gobblers in the spring we just saved on average, you know? They can look back at past harvest, or at least projected, because who knows what the real harvest is, but projected from checked birds. We just saved, I think it was roughly 3,000 turkeys by reducing from four to three. So quantitative data, we just saved this many gobblers. You know, cool. Could they do that with other things to see, okay, if no one in the state had decoys, what would our harvest look like? You know, and I would think you could put samples to test that on, you know, this WMA usually kills very consistent average turkeys at this number. Band decoys this year, let's see what happens. You know, okay, it dropped in half? Wow, that was a big reduction. You know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So I'm just saying, I'd love to see some ideas on that or some studies. And maybe there have been some. And if if so, I'd love if one of our listeners would shoot me over some data on that. I'd love to see it. I don't want to take away your way of hunting or your favorite way of hunting but i definitely don't want to take days out of the woods for me and i'm going to be pretty selfish about that that's just my opinion and you know again bottom line me and you both we want more turkeys and i don't care i don't care if we hit record populations of turkeys i think i'll still be wanting more (laughs) i agree so we can always agree on that but yeah, yeah i think that was a good talk about tss i mean and fanning i had I don't know if you heard any feedback on it, but some of the feedback I had on the fanning episode was great. I mean, I think people appreciate a cordial conversation from opposing sides or just different viewpoints of topics that are kind of hot topics in the turkey world that people get so heated over these days.
0: It was overwhelming to me at the number of people that reached out to me and said that I totally smoked you in the fanning debate.
1: Yeah, see, I wasn't going to say that because I was trying to remain cordial, but I had the same thing.
0: Yeah, That's interesting. <laughs> so out of the two listeners, you had one both reach out them.
1: to you? Oh, no, both of them. So one uh-huh. of them a double crosser, then, if you had one reach out to you.
0: Oh, it wasn't just one. Oh. Yeah, I, think, well, I think maybe we have two butt kisser listeners.
1: Yeah, screw both of you guys listening. <laughs> We're going to go find another listener somewhere and pay him to listen.
0: Yeah. <laughs> So we've we've talked for a while. I don't think there is much of a debate on this. You know, I I just, I don't know. I I think that there's so many more pressing things that we as turkey hunters need to be discussing and debating and considering, being open-minded about, listening to from other hunters and from our biologists and from our states, where TSS is... Like you said, Cameron, probably pretty far down that list. But for whatever reason, people are still very—I don't want to use the word passionate, maybe aggressive—about it. Yeah. Like if you and don't I, use it, you're you're an idiot, and if you do use it, you're a heathen. You know? Yeah. It, it.
1: It is, it's like if you don't use it, you're inconsiderate because you're using a lesser way to take the turkey's life. You know, like you, you're you probably wounding more birds or something. Mm-hmm. But then if you do use it, you're, you know, oh, you're just trying to shoot them at 100 yards, you know, and you're taking shots too far. So both sides of the coin, people are just really opinionated about it. And I mean, like. There, there's much bigger fish to fry in my mind than TSS. I do think if hunters would police themselves with the product, that fixes it right there. You know, like you said. Yeah. Just because you, know. you got TSS in your gun, don't be letting them rip at 85, 90 yards. Yeah.
0: yeah I mean, that's that's part of policing ourselves. You know, yeah. just there's no reason to be doing that. No. It's no. a low Take- percentage shot, even with TSS. And, you know, yeah. that's, that's it. but. So there, there's something that we talked about earlier I find pretty interesting. And we're talking about trying to save and protect and grow our turkey populations. I have a, I have, I want to talk about this on the show for just just a few minutes because we're running pretty long. Yeah. And we haven't even called each other a name or really even gotten heated about anything <laughs> yet. So I think it may be a boring episode for everyone listening. But
1: Yeah, sorry guys.
0: You were telling me the story of what the great state of Arizona did with their coos deer hunts. And it got my little peanut in my head just spinning in circles. And so share with everyone the gist of the article that you were telling me about with the coos deer in Arizona.
1: Yeah, so Arizona, they had to close, the over the counter archery, I believe, deer season. And I've only researched this very uh, surface level. So I'm not going to be, a, you know, I'm not to claim that everything I say here is 100% facts, but I'm pretty sure they closed. I know they closed at least a section, if not the whole state, over the counter archery deer tags. And so what's interesting about it is they released that. They shut down the deer hunting now, but in 2016, Arizona, their wildlife you know, department, using state funds, said in quotes they were paying an influencer or influencers to promote deer hunting in the state. And then there's a chart showing an absolute skyrocket of non-resident sales in that state to the point where overharvest occurred. And they had to shut it down totally at this point. So they paid to do this to themselves with their hunter's funds, you know.
0: They used funds from selling licenses to pay a social media influencer, a YouTuber or somebody who's got a big following on Instagram or maybe all of the above, to come and hunt in Arizona for coos deer, film it. And posted all over social media. They paid someone to come and do that.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Then, pretty much. <laughs> then a year later, two years later, three years later, they have such a great number of people coming to the state, purchasing licenses and harvesting deer that they had to shut the season down. That's yeah. mind blowing to me. I just had to say it over again because. It really gets me thinking and wondering. There's several social media influencers in the turkey hunting world. There's several YouTubers in the turkey hunting world, and yep. I wonder, is there a state doing that? Well, hey, you don't
1: have to. You don't have to hold off on that till next week, because <laughs> I may have us a little data on that with a certain state. But yeah, Arizona. I mean. Hey, let's promote DIY over-the-counter archery sales. Oh, that went a little overboard. We just used our funds to do that, and now our deer herd is down, so now let's cut it off. So, that doesn't need to happen to Turkey. Uh, be careful I would be,
0: what you wish for, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, hey, that, I guess, sounded good in theory. Hey, we, we'd get more money off license sales if we sell more licenses. That's true, but... What if you don't have any deer for people to come shoot anymore? (laughs) I mean, uh, anyway, next week.
0: I mean, to me, that is so crazy when you're talking about a resource that, though it is renewable, it is extremely fragile. And especially in an area, a state like Arizona, where you have a drought for a year. And Mother Nature is going to wipe out a bunch of your deer to where you sell all the tags you want. Mother Nature is going to take as many as she wants out of there. Yep. Disease runs through, you know, you things you have no control over. And they're paying influencers to come and hunt their state and promote the hunting of a specific, a particular animal in the state. And, I mean, let's look at the business side. I know we're going to talk about this some more in future episodes, but let's look at the business side. I could side talk of about this. it
1: all night, man.
0: <laughs> the business side of this, the businessman in me says, "Hey, you you've got to keep promoting your business. The state makes money off of selling licenses and selling especially selling non-resident licenses. But what are you doing to the resource? What are you doing in these states? Is it again, I'm going to say you follow you follow or watch much more than I do, much closer than I do the influencers in the turkey hunting world. But what I seem to see is that, well, I'm just going to ask it this way. Does it seem am I the only one that notices that they sure do hit a lot of the same states in the same year?
1: yeah and they all seem to latch on to certain states, if you know what I mean. they all of a sudden, every year or the past two to three years, there's been a state that gets blown up by popular influencers at the same time almost it's almost like a paid marketing scheme of some sort if if you will mm. Interesting. Interesting stuff. Uh, Next week, we're going to dive into this further. We've got a person who wishes to remain anonymous because of their job affiliation. They would like to remain anonymous. We're not going to slam a bunch of people or anything next week, but this person does have a lot of data that will be very interesting to bring to light because this is a lot of uh, data and information that would be difficult for the common public to come across, I would say. So it's going to be an interesting episode. I don't really know fully what to expect. I haven't talked to this person before. So I'm excited about it, though, because it's it's going to be a good talk. I think we'll see what happens. But the Coosteer thing, again, pardon me if, if, if you know more about this situation than I do, and I've misspoken on it. I know for a fact they paid influencers to come promote it starting in 2016. And I also know for a fact that they've shut down the over-the-counter tags in at least some units, if not all. So I do know those two facts are correct. But outside of that, something I said may have been misspoken. but anyway, those two effect those two facts alone are enough. <laughs> yeah, well, to get the point across.
0: yeah, no doubt. Well, I'm interested in learning some more next week, and i'm I'm gonna loan our guest next week my pseudonym for when I crash wedding receptions or Things where you have to sign in where maybe you're not supposed to be there or you are supposed to be there, but you don't want to let them know who you really are so that they try to track you down after the event. So next week, we're going to have Bob McAderly join us.
1: <laughs> Precisely.
0: <laughs> the next event you go to, if you see the name on the login sheet, Bob McAdderly, you'll know I'm there. Look for me. <laughs>
1: That sounds good. Let's get Bob on here next week. If anybody made it to this point in the episode, they're probably getting excited. But <laughs> I'm excited for it. I think it's be a great phone call, great interview, and a good show. And just going to point, you know, hopefully point out some trends in turkey hunting that might be alarming for yeah. for folks. And it's you be know,
0: food for thought. Things we need to think about. Things yeah. we need to be talking about again. We need to be having a lot of discussions. Yeah, and we're so at the
1: crossroads right now. I mean, we this are. this is it in my opinion, the crossroads. We got to have these talks. We're not trying to be negative on this podcast. We have a very positive attitude, but we're just trying to give you the facts, give you things to think about and, you know, hopefully spark some good discussion.
0: You know what I want to think about this week as well? I really? want to think about some sausage, some roasted garlic <laughs> and rosemary.
1: My my stash is gone, man. I got to order more.
0: Are you out, really? That's awesome. <laughs> I'm out,
1: man. I've, uh, I've I've eaten it out.
0: So I was, you know, I was going through the the freezer to pull out some legs and thighs to grind up, and stumbled across a package that slipped down in the cracks nice. in the deep freeze. And so I'm thinking maybe I don't know. It'll either be Saturday or Sunday morning, but that'll be gone. And yes, I'll have to be ordering some more myself
1: very nice yeah it's some good stuff and i've i've looked at it ordering some more for myself i think i'm going to order through online and so if anybody out there would also like to get a care package of sausage for summertime you can go to realcajunmarket.com and order it right there add to cart ship it to yourself comes pre-cooked frozen ready to go, you can cook it right there out of the box, but it'll show up at your doorstep. That's option one. You could also contact Cullen Lord or The Real Cajun Market on Instagram or Facebook. They are active on social media, so you could reach out there. Or if you just want to, you know, hey, I'm going direct to the source, and I want to get an order of 1,000 sausages, you can call Cullen Lord's wife, Ann Lord, and her phone number is
0: 678-471. 1150 That's 678-471-1150. And let them know that you heard them on the Turkey Hunter podcast and that you want to support them because they support the show.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Please reach out and support them. They are our sponsor for this week's show and all our past shows for this year and the remainder of this year. So we greatly appreciate them and we appreciate you supporting them.
0: Yep. And so. we've talked a whole lot today, too. So we're going to save the favor of the week for another show. And let's wrap this puppy up.
1: All right. Fa- hey, hey, no. Favor of the week. Do something nice for somebody this weekend. That's a favor of the week. Short and sweet. There you go. I like it. Boom. All right. Wrap it up.
0: Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. We know that you have choices. We appreciate you spending your time with us. We hope you have a wonderful week. And we look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.